This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. Today we are going to be reviewing the penultimate episode of Season 3 of Lower Decks called Trusted Sources. But as always, we're going to start with the news, and we're starting with something pretty fun. It's, it's old news that became new news, if that makes sense. So way back in 2016, before Beyond even came out, Paramount announced a sequel, which is going to have Chris Hemsworth come back. As Kirk's dad, they had a couple writers, which is a guy named J.D. Payne and a guy named Patrick McKay. And they had a director who was going to be Star Trek's first female feature film director. But it took a while for this thing to get going. But by 2018, J.J. had hired a director. They were going to start shooting in 2019. But then it fell apart because of a contract dispute. This is back when Paramount was not doing very well. And because Beyond didn't do well, they wanted to renegotiate. And Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth said, no, thank you. And that was that. That project died. And then, you know, we've been through multiple other projects. There was the Tarantino one and the... Noah Hawley one. Yep. Yeah. And most recently, J.J. brought in some new writers, Matt Shackman, and that project was recently pulled. from. So this story is about that first attempt way, (laughs) way back years ago to make a a follow-up to Beyond. And the key bit is this return of Chris Hemsworth. It was a studio decision, I think, to start with. And these guys were tasked to how do you get Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine together at the same age? And they're now, because they're the showrunners on this huge Lord of the Rings show, someone asked them, oh, remember that old Star Trek thing? And they finally started revealing what this thing was sort of about. And the key thing is how do you get them together? We've always talked about it being time travel. Right. You've always said, oh, how boring they're going to do time travel again. Right. Well, I was more bored by the Kirk father issues kind of thing. Um, (laughs) But they were inspired by, they sort of brought up relics from Next Generation when Scotty was trapped in the transporter buffer as a, a sort of inspiration or justification for what their story was. And they said the conceit was, what if right before the Kelvin impacted with that huge mining ship, George Kirk had tried to beam himself over to the shuttle where his wife was actually giving birth or had just given birth, but the ship hadn't completely exploded. And so he gets trapped in a buffer basically. And then Jim Kirk would grow up. They'd seek out the ship wreckage with the enterprise and they'd find his pattern there and out he pops unaware that all this other stuff has gone on. In a way, I think it's better than time travel. I mean, to get into the logistics, you're going to need to do some... They need to explain how he survived. Because, yeah, Scotty did it, but he you know, he was a genius, and it was years later, better technology. And the other guy didn't make it? Yeah, so I always remember the poor other guy in Relics who didn't make it. You know, there are ways to do it. You know, what if the Narada actually captured it? That Narada had uh, super advanced tech, including Borg tech. So maybe, you know, they found Narada wreckage and that actually had George in it. Who knows? So there's a way to make it happen. I'm I'm okay with that. It's as good a way as any to get him in the movie. The thing I found most intriguing is that they said they had this 2001 A Space Odyssey idea at the core, which I find intriguing because, you know, that means it's kind of a hard sci-fi, you know, in a way. The first Star Trek movie, the grandest Star Trek movie, had this kind of 2001 type of vibe. 
to it as well. And if you could take that kind of cerebral sci-fi, mix it with some action, throw in Chris Hemsworth, it might have been something, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. I Yeah, I mean, it's the same issue for me, but the story itself could be interesting. We don't know what the story is. Like, this right. isn't the plot. This is a mechanism to get the two right. actors, you know, without having to put old age makeup on Chris Hemsworth, why on earth would you do that? Yeah, there's no reason to do that. Now, they'd have to explain why he popped out of this thing, like, way more buff than when he went in. They'd probably just ignore that, <laughs> you know, because this is, he went through the Thor years in between, and he got significantly larger. Right. Than he was when uh, he shot, and that was kind of his first movie in Hollywood, um, was when he did that one little scene um, for Star Trek. Well, they could explain it the way they did um, Chris Pratt's character on Parks and Rec when he went off to do Guardians of the Galaxy, and he went from being this doughy guy to being super buff, and he came back and just said in one line, well, I gave up beer. That was his throwaway line. (laughs) So did he give up beer while he was in the transporter buffer? Yeah. Okay, there you go. There, that's now we have now we can make the movie <laughs> <laughs> but this will never happen I mean, well actually you know what a few months ago because chris hemsworth for years is kind of hemmed and hot of whether he was really interested but then like a couple months ago he said you know what if jj calls me i'm in you know so who knows maybe this will still happen someday yeah they can't get their act together it seems on the movie side so it's all a crapshoot at this point right i was gonna say it's as good a bet as anything at this point yeah. So speaking of things that could possibly happen. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> the card is going to end and there's been a lot of talk about a possible spinoff. Jerry and Michelle Hurd have been kind of leading the who's going to lead a possible spinoff race. Now Star Trek The Next Generation actors are kind of trying to elbow their way <laughs> into the... Right. They want a piece of that action, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a fan tweeted that they wanted to see Picard spinoffs with legacy characters. And of course the cast saw this. So Marina chimes in, jumps in to say, look, if if it's going to happen, it's the fans who can make it happen. It's you guys. And then Gates McFadden piled onto that and was like, I'm in if the fans are in and then said, let Paramount plus and Terry Metalis know that that's what you want. And there was even, I think before that was Jonathan Frakes retweeting Paramount plus they had said something about, you know, Picard season three, the final voyage, and he tweeted, maybe not final. So everybody is basically saying we're, we we want to do more, which you can't blame them for. Sure. And we got Strange New Worlds because fans really, really wanted it. And Terry talked about that as well when you and I interviewed him on this very podcast. You know, he, he points to Strange New Worlds as a proof of concept. One of the issues here is it was kind of obvious after season two of Discovery and the short treks of what a other show would be. It'd be the Enterprise, Pike, number one, and Spock, and various other characters, right? Terry has hinted that he's kind of set up a spinoff, so it'll be interesting to see how clear of a spinoff vision there is of, like, I assume it's like a Titan show, 25th century, Captain, probably seven, and you know, various other people show up. Right. But hopefully it's set up so that people kind of know what to ask for. You know what I mean? Like if you have, (laughs) you know, I want the, you know, the doctor show, you know, I want the Beverly show. I want them. If fandom are going to be heard, they need uh, to be perhaps a little, um, although it doesn't mean that everyone can't show up. I, as I've said, like there's going to be a, a vessel for anyone to show up. 
That's what really makes a lot of sense. And then I guess it's a question of how often do all those people show up versus trying to create, you know, 8 million shows for each character. Right. Brent wants a show. Gonna happen. Yeah. You get a show and you get a show. It's not going to happen that way. Yeah. So, but I would love, I love the idea of a show set in such a time and place that we can get visits from all kinds of people. I'm hoping that there's some new characters in season three that people get excited about as well. And you start getting a sense of what this show can be. It's easy now to say, oh, I just want the legacy characters. But a show needs to be much more than that. It needs to really be about a core group of characters. And hopefully some of them are set up in season three of Picard. Yeah. It can't just be a nostalgia festival anyway. Right. Even though, let's face it, season three is, is going to be... be a nostalgia festival. <laughs> <laughs> Balloons, streamers, fireworks, yep. the whole, the whole the memoriality. Yep. It's all there. We're looking forward to it, Terry. <laughs> We're also looking forward to Strange New Worlds, even though it's a ways off. So Anson Mount gave another interview recently, actually promoting something else. You know, he always says big swings. We're taking big swings. It's going to be bigger. This time he found a new metaphor, which I appreciate. Um, <laughs> and now he compared it to Spinal Tap turning things up to 11. <laughs> My prediction is that the comedy episode will be more comedy. The romance episode will be more romance. The action, we won't have elements of, I mean, they will just kind of go for it. And we're going to see at least one genre that Trek's never done before. Probably, like, could be a musical, your dream come true. But they're going to do something like that, something crazy, where you're like, I can't believe they're doing that. Because that's, he talked about these, like, they've, this Akiva and Henry are pushing limits of the genre. They are introducing things that make him question, like, can you really do this? Right. And he described himself as someone who's willing to go, who's interested in going very far. And then they're even surprising him. But he's excited about it. He's not saying you shouldn't do this. Obviously. Yes. So, I mean, you know, when we talked to Henry or at Star Trek Day, he used similar phrases like bigger, crazier, stranger. Stranger, newer, worldlier. <laughs> exactly. They shouldn't oversell it. Let's just see what they got. But of course, I'm excited because, I, you know, we really liked season one. Yep. It was a thoroughly entertaining season, though, so I look forward to more of that. Yep. I'm sure I'll have quibbles. I always do. <laughs> so let's move on to Star Trek Prodigy, which is coming up fast. It's coming back in a couple of weeks. Actually, our next episode, we'll be reviewing the season premiere. Oh, my or God. The second half of the first season. Yeah. Episode 11. I know. Although, you know, I got to say, if it's a year later... And it's a whole new phase. Why is it the second half of the first season? It's and not the season second. Two. We're going to constantly mess up and call it season two while we're talking about it. But technically it's not. But anyway, let's move on. Anyway, separate <laughs> issue. Right. So uh, at Comic-Con, uh, they, they did roundtable interviews. And we talked a little bit about the one with Kate, I think, last week. So this week it was Dan and Kevin Hageman and Benny Bond. And they talked a lot about where the show's going and what their plans are. One of the things I was really intrigued by was the idea that if the show goes on for a very long time, they're going to let the kids grow up. So they're not going to do a Simpsons thing, as we've talked about before, where everybody stays the same age. And they're not going to replace them with young voices. They are going to let them become young adults and young crew members. Well, I mean, Brett Gray, he sounds like he sounds, but he's already an adult. Right? Yeah, he's some of them are. He's in his 20s. And Ella Purnell is in her 20s as well. But it's, Riley's the big one. 
yeah, Riley's a kid and they're like, you know, you're going to grow up on the show and we're just going to work with it, which is great, I think. Yep, I think so too. But I, I think what they're also getting into is how, which I've been assuming is eventually we're going to see these kids as cadets. And, and they even suggested beyond the Academy, like on ships in Starfleet. Yeah. I think way beyond the first 40 episodes. Oh, yeah. All the half seasons we have coming. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that they won't hold back on that at all. They also were asked about um, crossovers, of course, because everyone's so excited for the Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover. And they said that they were laughing because they said, you know, it'd be easier to do like Dahl and Gwyn, but I don't know about Rock Talk. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that would, it would be very hard for Riley, this tiny, cute kid, to, to be Rock Talk. Well, and the same with Zero and, and face it, the same with Jankum because... Jason yep. Metzoukas doesn't look like Jankum. No. Jankum's very short. I just don't see it happening. I, I think what would be more fun is to do it the other way. Yes. Um, which is to animate some live action characters and bring on their voice actors, which they do. I was going to say. Characters. Yeah, they're already doing that. So I think more of that makes sense. But I mean, to do it with Discovery or Strange New Worlds, you know, with a current show. Yeah. Which they haven't done. Now, speaking, though, of legacy characters, obviously the season or the second half of season one is going to have the Outrageous Kona and Admiral Jellico. And they said that there's this is one of the things I think they mean season two. They said there's two more coming in season two, meaning after episode 20. Right. So that would be episodes 21 through 40. You know, right. So. You know, they're saying as you get closer to Starfleet, you get more and more Starfleet people and that all makes sense. But I'm curious about because they kind of, in, you know, the way they telegraphed, they sound like big ones. Yeah. Not yeah, including well, Chakotay. They were clear this isn't Chakotay. This is right. Non-announced more legacies. Right. Surprise. They said surprise characters. Yep. And they and of course, we know this. They all the showrunners of all the different shows are talking all the time. So they are juggling because everybody almost everybody's adding <laughs> legacy characters to their shows. So they're all finding ways to do it that makes sense where they don't step on each other's toes and where it kind of makes sense. I mean, like you get these great, nice touches like Lower Decks mentioning Admiral Jellico in a news feed. And now we're going to get Admiral Jellico. If you listen to what they said, because we already saw Akona on Lower Decks, but the way they described it, they decided to do Akona first, but we still haven't seen that. And when it came up for them to do Akona on Lower Decks, they had already designed him with the eye patch, so they got the eye patch onto him on Lower Decks. Right. But that also shows you, because Lower Decks does stuff far in advance, but that shows you how far in advance this CGI, like it takes to make Prodigy. This show takes oh, yeah. forever to make, you know. So there's a long, long lead time. I mean, they're already done months ago. They were finished writing. They're already recording for the second half of season two. You know, I, by the end of this year, they may be done. It just may be all post-production for the next two, three years for them to. So crazy. The other thing they talked about was that toys are coming. They said there's definitely a protostar. They said there's another vehicle. They didn't say ship. I don't think the word ship, but I think it's... No, they used vehicle. So maybe it's the... Um, I was that, thinking it's the little the, thing that they rode around in. I forget what it's called now, but it's the thing they had in earlier episodes. On the nightmare planet. Yeah. 
Uh, there's also Prodigy Game that is out now called Star Trek Prodigy Supernova. Um, it finally launched. So the story of the game is set between the first half of the season and the second half of the season. We are going to do a full review of it on the site. There are two of us actually playing it and reviewing it. So we have Joe, who is an expert video game player. And then we have me, who's a terrible video game player. So we will compare notes and hopefully get a review up before the next episode of the podcast. And that game is out now on essentially everything. Switch, platforms, PC, however you play, you can get it now. Now, there's some other less good gaming news, but I'm okay with this. This is a game called Star Trek Resurgence. I've seen a preview of it, and it's really good. It's this narrative game. It's from Telltale. Who do, who are, it's not from Telltale. A bunch of people left Telltale who did all those great Walking Dead narrative games. They started this new company. They love Star Trek, so they wanted Star Trek to be their first game. But it's not coming out till next year. It was supposed to be this year. It's already been kind of delayed. It was supposed to be first half of the year. Now it's going to be April 2023. But I say, because you know, there's nothing worse than games that launch full of bugs. And yep. this game has a lot of dialogue. And it's, you know, it's really a big, exciting game. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, the chatter I've seen, people would rather have a good game later than a bad game now. Yeah. We have a little bit of news about the franchise in general, which is that uh, the Star Trek franchise is being honored with a visionary award at the Outfest Legacy Awards. So Outfest is an organization in Los Angeles who promotes, they say at their impact, this is their phrase, <laughs> whose impact promotes empathy for the global queer community, careers in the entertainment industry, and the exhibition and preservation of LGBTQIA plus and underrepresented stories and voices. So the award is really for the whole franchise. So it's not just the shows, it's the movies, it's games, it's art, it's graphic novels, every, everything that they see as part of the franchise. And Wilson Cruz from Star Trek Discovery will be accepting the award at a ceremony on October 22nd. And, you know, it's it's well-deserved. Star Trek took a while to get there, and they made a few attempts early on sometimes. But I feel like, you know, now they're they're really where they need to be. And, and they deserve to be recognized for it. Absolutely. They've also gotten awards from GLAAD, um, which is a similar kind of organization. So they're, they're getting the recognition for the effort put into this area. Yep. And I'm glad this is for the franchise, not just Discovery, because everyone focuses on Discovery, but it's more than Discovery. Yep. There's some good news for people in Europe. Paramount Plus has announced details and launch date for France, December 1st. Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, December 8th. That'll be Strange New Worlds, and we assume Discovery and Prodigy as well, finally. And you know that pretty much is going to be it for Paramount Plus in Europe. They've already done the UK, and they've already done... Italy for the rest of Europe they're doing something different called Sky Showtime which is a joint venture with Comcast but you still will get the Star Trek content it's already launched in the Nordic countries it launches in uh, the Netherlands and Portugal October 25th and then it's coming to Spain and Central and Eastern Europe in 2023 that's good news for Europe in Asia things are going slower I think South Korea is the only country with Paramount Plus right now, but the Paramount Channel Asia is just kind of a normal satellite cable channel, and they're now running 
season four of Discovery and Strange New Worlds and Short Treks. If you are in a country with Paramount Channel Asia, you can finally see these shows. And I think that's great. Instead of making them wait, you know, who knows when it's going to... Supposedly India is coming early 2023, but there's been no word on Japan and the rest of Asia. So so we can't say it's big in Japan. <laughs> no, no. It, we can't, but it will be. Yes. So I think that's it for various bits of news. I think it's time to review an episode of Lower Decks. I would agree. Trusted sources. I'm going to ask you to start off this week. Here's my assessment. I think it was lots and lots of funny lines, moments, and scenes. It was very packed as usual. But I will say my complaint is that there was a very sitcom-y setup that I didn't buy for a second and I think got in its own way. Like it made the episode not as good and there were so many good things in it. I agree with that. The twist with Mariner was a little obvious. I I liked it. I definitely didn't love it. It's probably the worst episode of the season. I mean, it's hard to count the Bird Planet episode because it's just kind of its own thing because I was enjoyed that but had some issues with it. This, I just... I feel like the characters were off. The structure was boring at times. It wasn't as funny as most of the episodes. The third act was almost devoid of humor. It just kind of became a Star Trek episode with action and shooting in the brain. The only thing funny about it, which was funny, was Dr. Miglamo and his mom. His Mima. <laughs> who, who Captain Freeman knows. Recognized yeah, yeah. Mima immediately. <laughs> But I just, I don't know, it also felt like half a loaf in a way, you know, it's setting up the finale. Yes. Um, so we have Mariner leave. And that's just unusual for the show to be so, to do that. You know, we've saw Prodigy do that sometimes, and I was not at, and that's already some a serialized show. This show isn't, and this just feels like part one of a two-parter, which is not unheard of in Next Generation, which the show is part of it then you know then call it part one at least well but it really was only just that last that one piece of it well but the whole thing was a setup to get her off the ship yeah no and again like i didn't love that setup but there were so many pieces along the way that i thought were great and i really liked um captain freeman's idea project swing by is actually a really good idea that should be standard procedure in starfleet it, it actually this is a callback one of the final scenes of season one, the whole thing about season one was kind of Mariner and her mother coming to grips with each other. And when they finally have a nice little moment at the end of the 10th episode, Freeman talks about this problem with the Starfleet and the Federation. They talk about how Starfleet is good at observing, bad at maintaining, and you know how Starfleet loses track of planets. So when they talk about how this being a long-term plan of hers they did actually set this up, and then they kind of just f haven't mentioned it in two years. So I'm glad it's back. Yeah, and it's a great idea. And I love that they they picked symbiosis, next generation symbiosis, with the pusher people and the drug addict people. <laughs> Star Trek fans are always talking about what's a planet you we should see again to see what happened afterwards. Right. And that's an obvious choice because as noted in this episode, like Picard just goes, good luck. Bye-bye. Um, yeah. They're like, what did Picard do? <laughs> oh, he left. What? <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, it's not a great episode. Symbiosis. It's 
No. It's one of those early, or it wasn't, it's early TNG, late season one, an attempt to say something about drug epidemic and the crackhead epidemic of the 80s poorly. Yeah, I remember that very cheesy scene with Wesley going, being Mr. Innocent. Like, why would they take these drugs? Like, it was very... You know, Mike obviously agrees. He's like, they left these people hanging. One would hope that they would have checked in. You know, so Mike is kind of establishing in canon that after Picard left, and Picard did cite the Prime Directive, but still, one would think Starfleet would, you know, just check it out. Um, in se- over 17 years, I mean, maybe they were busy, they had the Dominion War, but still, it's nice they finally checked in, I guess. <laughs> it's it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it took Carol Freeman to do it, right? Yeah. And she said to check in on the planet that Picard left cold turkey. Yes, good expression. I mean, I definitely liked that. There's something that bugs me in this this episode, and it's a lot of it's about ransom. Yeah, he was he was like season one ransom. Right, he he's 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 just like being all skeezy with the female reporter. You know, sure he likes to talk about his glutes and stuff like that. Okay, that's that's fine. But what I really don't like is how he has no faith in Mariner, and their season arc has been he's been put in charge of her. Is he going to kick her out of Starfleet because? Mom doesn't want to do it. And last episode, they seem to be in a good place. And he's learned to trust her and appreciate her. And here we see him. He's the one responsible because he tells Captain Freeman that Mariner went to talk to the reporter. He immediately assumes the worst, just like the captain. Doesn't back her up. It's like, no, what happened? Haven't we? Who is this guy? Yeah, he reverted, which I didn't like. And I didn't think, like, he, you know, he was sort of harassing the reporter, which just felt like not a good choice. Yeah. It was gross. It was gross. And, like, having him just want to show off his workout routine is different, is fine. But being like, you really get me to open up is, like, such an icky, creepy thing to say. You know, and we've seen him grow as a character. You know, but the other thing is, the captain and Mariner have gone through three seasons. We've seen them grow. And and, and the way Jennifer turned on her, that was yeah, heartbreaking. That bothered me the most. Because she just, again, and it was sitcom-y. Because as soon as Mariner said, I don't know what's going on. You know, is this some frame of mind thing? Like, <laughs> right. I don't know what's going on. Mariner was so genuinely confused. And, and the characters ignored that the way they do on a sitcom. Whereas I feel like normally on Star Trek, people would say what do you mean how can you not know and they would have that conversation as would normal people what do you mean you don't know i like the fact that mariner's gone rogue mariner's left the ship we talked about this on an earlier podcast that i wouldn't surprise me to see mariner leave starfleet and join with this archaeologist but how they did it they could have found another way to get her to leave starfleet without it being you know oh it's all a misunderstanding i don't know it just seems so Yep. You, you you know, you you thought she might leave in the Tom Paris way, which is faking leaving. That's another way to do it. Obviously, there's, you know, there's a there's a million ways to do it. I didn't like how they did it only because the thing we've loved about this season is this is the character based season. This is the growth season. They're all growing. The comedy's coming from character comedy. Most of the funny lines in this could have, as you said, could have been done in season one you know so yeah like all the stuff about the pie eating contest was funny and 
<laughs> all of that. But that could have been done any season. And those lines could have even been traded between characters of who's extended their um, stomach and who's unhinged their jaw. You know, it's funny, but it isn't as character based as we've seen in this season. So God, I feel like I'm really ragging on this episode. I liked it. I just I feel like it could have been better is all. Yeah. And I think if they'd made that device less obvious and less easy to spot, which is the same as obvious, um, <laughs> it would have would have worked to see. There you go. It would have worked a lot better and the jokes would have paid off more and they could have had. I mean, I liked that after everyone was told not to associate with her anymore, her three buddies were still associating with her. There's no way that they were going to abandon her. Her girlfriend right. did, ditched her in a horrible, mean way, uh, but the others were still there. Although they also, like Boimler, still just assumed she did the thing that everybody said she Right, did. he goes, why don't you apologize for what she thinks you did? Like, But it's pr pretty clear he thinks she did it too, but he doesn't want to say it, you know, so... Yeah, no one believe you know, she is out on her own. You know, she is she's been shunned by everyone, essentially. You know, her friends were just nicer about it. And she said this has happened before. This is always what happens. Although I kind of feel like this time is different because she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, she's made mistakes. She's owned her mistakes. She made no mistakes. It was everyone else spilling the beans innocently, as it were. You know, Kayshawn saying, oh, I, I was turned into a puppet, but no one, you know. Everyone was very nice to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the things that the reporter found out about, it was the greatest hits of the show. The ransom becoming a giant head. And, you know, you could go through the list and it's this episode and that episode. Although right. there's a mention of Q. There's the, she said she's seeing a lot of stuff about Q. So it implies Q's possibly shown up again, perhaps, that we didn't see. Uh, I did, you know, just because it's part of the show's lore and I like when they expand on the show's lore, I did appreciate that we did finally get the truth about Starbase 80. <laughs> and Ransom did at least step up here where he couldn't believe Captain Freeman was going to pull the trigger and send her to Starbase 80. That crossed the line for him. Yeah. I always thought, even though it's far less funny, that like Starbase 80 was just you know, like terrifying and scary and, you know, possibly on the edge of some horrible, frightening space with aliens and, you know, danger. But here it's just gross. Yeah, it's stinky <laughs> and the uniforms don't fit. And it's yeah, it smells like garbage or sweat. <laughs> yeah, like the guys. shuttle was nasty. The shuttle and itself old. was gross. Yeah. There was an old sandwich in the uniform, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was the worst. Um, so, yeah, of course she left. Yeah. I was thinking about that to say, why was Freeman surprised that she left? Why would anyone stay? If you can just, this is the thing about Starfleet of, don't you have to sign up for a certain amount of time? Or can you just leave whatever you want to? Because there's no money in the future or there are contracts in the future. Yeah, there's all kinds of questions that get raised with all of that. <laughs> Because, you know, if you could just leave Starbase 80, then why doesn't everyone just leave if it's that gross? Right. Why are those guys still there? Although they seem to fit in nicely. <laughs> exactly. Every Starfleet needs a place for those kinds of people, perhaps. But I wonder what they actually do on Starbase 80. Like, is it a, is, I guess it's like probably like a, a garbage processing center or something gross. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Yep. They had a, um, one of Dr. Flox's bats there. That Not they were actually. Hit with a broom. 
that was that was funny i mean there was a, some good call outs here when captain freeman was trying to you know when she was upset that nothing was wrong on the first planet because they 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 seemed to be fine because during those 17 years there were 15 years where they were going insane but they yeah. were fine now as depicted on the terrifying mural the mural was probably the funniest thing i loved episode. that mural i feel like they should print posters of that mural but Freeman said, well, why don't we check out Beta 3 again, which is the lander planet. Right. <laughs> and it because which is actually because that episode when she went to that planet, that was the one of the things that got her thinking about doing this program. Right. That was that same episode. Yeah, I episode. remember that. Yep. So it's all tied together. I love seeing the conspiracy theorist. I forget his name. Um, he mentioned the uh, Temporal Cold War. It was all tied to the temporal cold war. So he was on brand, but even he rejected her. At least we didn't see the whales reject her. We did, they did have a brief moment. I don't remember the whales. Well, the whales were part of the interview sessions and they were oh, talking about right, how, right, right. how they like uh, to yes. party. Yeah. 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 When um, they're not busy, when they're not. Yeah. Then they party. I mean, so separate from all of that. There was another interesting concept sort of brought in, which was this idea of these automated ships, which I think are going to be a disaster in the end. Well, I mean, it is a Star Trek trope yes, that anything autonomous is, you know, going to go terribly, terribly bad. Like the ultimate computer was the first thing that came to mind. Original series episode. And this sounds like something that could, you know, although I don't see how it could replace the California, how could you do a second contact? This seems to be more like a tactical ship, like a drone. It was great in combat, of course, yeah. but you can't really do a second contact, the California class core mission with uh, one of these Texas class ships. But yeah, there's another shoe to drop with those for sure. Yeah, definitely. They said it was the first of three fully automated starships. I thought it was interesting. So the name of it was a town in Texas because it's Texas class. So I looked up that city and apparently it has a total area of 1.9 square miles. <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the, the towns that they've named most of the California class, I'm familiar with a lot. I've been to a number of them. I've been to Cerritos. They're smaller cities, you know, 100,000 people, that kind of thing. Yeah, Alito, Texas is a tiny little village at best. Yeah, know? fewer than 5,000 people. Maybe someone on the staff, you know, is from there or something like that. Yeah. Overall, I think we've said the main things about this episode. We can definitely go through and there were lines that I thought were very, very funny. Um, I really <laughs> I loved when Mariner says, there's plenty to do right here that doesn't end in sugary diarrhea. And Boimler goes, maybe for you. <laughs> And then she said they could go get some synthahol and Cynthia have a great time. <laughs> it was interesting to watch her arc because everyone was being negative, right? But she showed, you know, which made it even more obvious, actually, because she basically had complete faith in her mother. She thought everything was going to be fine with this journalist. She was fine with the pie eating contest being canceled. Everything was fine until she was not allowed into the bar. But Jet was. Yes. Um, and she wasn't allowed to talk to the journalist. You know, that was that was the thing. The story, you know, even being like having their shift reassigned and her mother literally telling her to go to bed. Yeah. Turning off all the lights while they're sitting there. Yeah, she was still 
in a good mood after that, you know? So I feel like that was all, you know, kind of making it you because know, it was just a little much, you know, because it made you think, oh, she's going to really let that reporter have it um, when she goes in there. I didn't understand why Boimler said he didn't know there was an alpha shift because they're the beta shift. They hate the delta shift. Of course there's an alpha shift. How could there not be one? That was, yeah. that, was <laughs> that was that was weird, but sure. <laughs> I did like Tendi saying I scan when I get nervous. Yes, that was me too. On, that was on brand for her. Yep. For sure. Rutherford seemed unduly upset about the pie situation. Cause I was like, can't you just go replicate a pie? Yeah. It was kind of harsh the way they were unreplicating. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. Everything. <laughs> but then just go to another station and get a damn pie. Well, this gets to perhaps a thing that we don't know, you know, the logistics of the show. Can anyone go to any replicator at any time and get anything they want? I mean, the show's already established that the officers have better replicators that make nicer things. Right. You know, do, do you have replicator rations? Can you go make a pie anytime, any day you want? Or do you have to? Is that your meal for the day? You know, so these are the things we need to know, obviously. I would tend to think they could just go and get whatever they want. Boimler mentioned that the pie eating contest is the best thing they do on the ship. The best night, except for the pond fars. Yes. It's like, I'm curious, like, are the pond fars on a schedule? Or do they just randomly happen when a Vulcan <laughs> crewmate goes to pond far? Do they know when it's happening? Does the crew get involved? You know, or is, does everyone just hear like so-and-so is having a pond far today? <laughs> and it's none of your business. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a lot more to say about this one. Like I laughed at the lines and was annoyed by the device. Where do you think they're going with the Breen? Were they just thrown in there to throw them in there? Because, you know, the Breen attacking a planet is kind of a big deal. They were an enemy during the Dominion War. Are they now going to be kind of like the Packleds, a recurring thing, do you think? I don't know. I never found the Breen that interesting. Yeah, no, they're not. I thought they yeah. could have had more fun with the Breen. They had a little moment where you couldn't understand what the Breen were saying because of their weird right. hel helmet <laughs> Loud. thing. Loud, yeah. Yeah, but they made more fun of the Breen on Deep Space Nine, you know, with the joking like, how do you know, what's going on under the helmet stuff and, you know, so... I thought they could have had a little bit more fun with the Breen. This is what I'm saying. In the third act, it just becomes a action movie. The Breen are the bad guys. The ship is going to be destroyed. And they're, you know, and it was obvious some ship's going to come. I thought like, oh, you know, now we're going to get some Riker. I that I figured we were going to get a little Riker at the end of it. Because you knew someone was going to come. Yeah, I thought somebody interesting was going to show up. The only thing I'll add that's funny is that the voice of the reporter was, was Allison Becker who I met many, many years ago because she was a VJ at Fuse when I worked there. She was on Parks and Rec, which I was not yet watching, I guess because I was dumb back then because now I love the show. Um, but I remember the day that I met her because she walked in and she had just filmed a scene for Law and Order SVU and she was talking about filming that. And that was the day that I encountered Alison Becker, not knowing that many years later she would be a voice in a Star Trek episode. <laughs> Small world, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I've got nothing else except that, you know, I am super excited about the season finale, which we know is going to be big. I predict 
the three robot ships are going to be a problem. Mariner's mm-hmm. going to have to come back and save them with the archaeologist character and everyone will be fine. And it'll, it was all a, a sitcom misunderstanding. Yep. And there'll be a cameo. Yep. Who do you think they got in their back pocket for the finale? Oh, I mean, I haven't even thought about it. So why don't you say, and then I'll think about it in this moment. Well, I keep coming back to, I thought Frick said he was in the season. So either he was mistaken or he's back as almost a cliche because, you know, he's season finale Riker now. I'm going to go with Riker. All right. I'm going to pick someone. I'm going to go for a wild card and I'm going to say it's Worf. Mm, fascinating. Sure. Actually, here's my wild card. No cameo. Because <laughs> it's so obvious that there's going to be one. There isn't going to be one. Okay. <laughs> Final answer. <laughs> Okay, then I'm going to go with Riker or Worf, just oh, to, you, you know, can't take my, my you, you can't yeah, do I, that. I did. Okay, <laughs> fine. All right, let's wrap things up with our bits of the week. What's yours? Mine's just a tiny, fun Twitter follow-up to last week's episode, which ended with Boimler meeting Sulu. And then after that came out, Jack Quaid post a picture of him which I hope this is true. It's 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 from Rose City Comic Con, which is from like over a month ago. And it's him and George Decay at a photo op. So I'm hoping that Jack actually paid for a photo with George Decay. But it's him <laughs> and George Decay, you know, doing the Vulcan salute. And his only message was canon, <laughs> which it is now, right? Yeah. So there you go. Jack, you're such a nerd. We love you. Yes. Mine is also a photo. So, and it's really not even technically about Star Trek, but it's Anson Mount has a baby and the latest picture on his Instagram account is him with the baby strapped into one of those carriers. They're both facing forward and it is one of the best photos of a father and a baby I've ever seen. It's so cute. We will have the link in our show notes on the post, but you can also just go to Instagram and look for Anson Mount, and you will get a big smile and be very happy that you've seen the photo. Maybe someday Captain Pike will get married to that, his other captain friend, and they'll have a little baby, and we'll have Pike with a little baby Bjorn, a little Starfleet I, baby Bjorn. I don't think they're that serious, but maybe one day there'll be a baby, a Starfleet baby Bjorn. <laughs> okay, well, that's it for this episode of All Access Star Trek. Next week, we're going to have a double header. We're going to be reviewing episode 11 of prodigy which is the first episode of the second half of the first season of prodigy (laughs) not it's not season two no (laughs) um and the season finale for the third season of lower decks there you go see you next friday see ya